Let me uh, kick that off by asking for a couple of uh, observations from the panel. Um, uh, Tip O'Neill, uh, the, the former Speaker of the House, uh, legendary and or infamous one, is uh, oft quoted, I think accurately so, as having said that all politics is local. And I, I think we'd all agree that that is, is certainly still true. Uh, but it also seems, uh, if uh, Agent uh, Tom Friedman is correct and the world is flattening out, that uh, all that's local is global, and the logicians in the room will have already beaten me to the conclusion that therefore all politics is global. You buy that, guys, in this context? Uh, not really. Um, I, I think, uh, again, on the House side especially, I mean, they each, each member, what is any politician's number one goal to getting real, getting reelected. They will do whatever they need to do uh, to get reelected. Um, and so, especially on the House side, you know, all that really matters is, you know, getting, uh, you know, 51% of whoever votes, so that's, I don't know, maybe 200,000 or even less people in their district to vote for them. Um, and, and so they... That is what they are most concerned about, what will play, what, what matters in their district. And I think in that sense, um, uh, probably the constituency that's most important uh, sort of for us to mobilize, and again, I, I think libraries are in a position to, I mean, libraries in any given district don't employ that many people. And so I don't think they're going to necessarily, they might have some, uh, a, a given legislature, le legislator might have some warm, fuzzy feelings towards his public library, uh, for remembering his, his childhood. But, but ultimately, you know, I don't think in his political calculus that's going to make a whole lot of difference. What will make a difference? I mean, you know, in almost any district, if not the largest employer, then one of the largest employers is the the local university, the local school system. And I think that that, in many ways, is the key: is is sort of librarians to act through their in educational institutions to get the educational institution that they're affiliated with as motivated as these issues. Because I, I just I think at the end of the day, a legislator is going to listen a lot more to what the educators say because, again, that's, there's a lot more votes wrapped up in that than there are. And, and again, what matters most is, is getting reelected. Mark? Yeah, um uh, first, I, I think all electoral politics continues to be to be local. So that, I mean, I think that's that's right. Um, the the uh, and just to comment on on, on money and uh, you know money is important, obviously. Uh, but you know, Congressman Barney Frank is fond of saying that votes beat money every time. Uh, so I, I think the, the way to counteract a perception that you don't have a lot of cash is to create the impression that the people are with you. I think that would be a, a very useful. That calls for a kind of public relations strategy as well. On the global question, uh, um, I mean, the, the message from the labor markets is, is, is that you can't solve this problem in one country. So even if it's true that electoral politics in the United States is still largely local, uh, you're not going to be able to fix this problem just by controlling what goes on in the U.S. Congress. Uh, it, there's there's got to be a broad international group of people who address this, que this question from from a common point of view. Uh, there have to be institutions that are broader than just national institutions to address it. Uh, so I think the, the ultimate truth of what, what Adam was saying is that this is a global problem and has to be addressed in a global fashion. Uh, when you're lobbying Congress, you know, you, you've got to pay attention to the, to the district, uh, but you've got to keep your eye on what's going on globally as well. Guys, would you say a word uh, about the um, 
some of the other players that may have been touched on in an ancillary way, but their significance in the process, both domestically and internationally. Uh, specifically, um, the State Department, the U.S. Trade Representative's Office, the Patent and Trademark Office, and the Copyright Office, which is represented here today. Well, well I think um, at the end of the day, uh, most of those other pressure points, uh, USTR, PTO, state, uh, defer a lot to the Copyright Office because the Copyright Office has a substantive expertise. So um, in many ways on the copyright side of things, you know, the Copyright Office is, is pivotal. pivotal. Now, it, it changes from administration to administration. I'd say that, that in this administration, the Copyright Office, and, and, and in prior to the Clinton administration, the Copyright Office was, was uh, sort of the key decision maker for a lot of the international uh, trade issues, but during the uh, during the Clinton administration, it was it was all it was you know it was it was Bruce Lamb, it was patent the patent and trademark office. He was very effective in uh, sort of controlling uh, uh, the, the information flow and, and controlling the bureaucracy. And so I think he really had uh, uh, he, he was calling the shots. And again, everyone else, a lot of other folks in the government were deferring to him just because he. he they saw him as, as being the substantive expert. Uh, reserving uh, on the back end a couple of minutes for last words, which I will mercilessly prompt, let me uh, throw it open to the floor. Kenny, you have the mic. Uh, I would like to hear something just real simple and earthy here. Uh, flat earth, maybe. We um, love you, man. Thank you. <laughs> the, um, just, some, just some quick anecdotes from you. T t I would like to hear some examples of what are some of your proudest successes and what key features were on your side to make it possible and what are some of your biggest non-successes and, and what, do you what do you really point to that made a difference that you didn't have that meant you couldn't be successful? <laughs> Uh, that, that's a that's a very interesting question. I guess I guess uh, sort of the the, the the biggest success is the uh, the our uh, ongoing you know I guess it's now and it's basically the ninth the ninth maybe tenth year that we've managed to prevent database legislation from getting enacted. John, would you say a word about the, the UCC 2B process? Right. I mean, you know, that, I'll, I'll get to that. But that's that's, uh, and in many ways, that's that's again because of allies. Uh, we we worked in the library community worked very closely with uh, other entities, uh, uh, internet companies, financial services companies, who all uh, you know the, the science uh, 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 the science community. I mean, who all thought this was a really bad idea. And but but again. It was trench warfare, meaning you know it wasn't. It's not good enough to, to defeat it in 1996. You had to defeat it in 1998, and it wasn't. Then you had to defeat it again in 2000. I mean, it, it just keeps on coming back because it, you have, in particular, one company that's very interested in getting it, and it's worth it to them to invest a couple of million dollars a year to try to get this kind of legislation. I mean, the, the potential windfall uh, to the uh, to the company that will remain nameless uh, is enormous, and so why wouldn't they spend two million dollars a year? It would be silly not to. And so, um, given that, I mean, you see, it, it, again, it's the allies, but it, it's also the willingness to just 
stick with it. And every once in a while, it, you know, frankly, it gets kind of boring. I mean, you know, it, it, to make the same arguments year after year and to say, but, but, but that's, that's part of the process. And, and then Adam alluded to Yusita, um, where, where again, uh, uh, Yusita was enacted in a couple of states, just in Maryland and Virginia, but, but we were able to defeat it everywhere else. There, too, uh, it was the libraries working very closely with the insurance industry. And again, you can sort of say the most oddest bedfellows. Uh, uh, but that's, that's sometimes what it takes. And the, it's, it's largely, the, again, the libraries working closely with the insurance industry. But there, too, it's, it's trench warfare. And, and, and in a sense, the states is a whole other question. I mean, you know, as much as we sort of think that there might be some you know, kind of corruption or, or uh, uh, something unseemly about some of the stuff that goes on in Congress. It's nothing compared to the states. I mean, the, uh, Congress is pure as the driven snow relative to what goes on in the state legislatures. It, it's, a, it's appalling, but it's, it's true. Uh, and so, but there you, know, there you have to have, uh, you know, it's bad enough in Congress you have to worry about sort of fighting two-front warfare, right? You have the House, you have the Senate. Sometimes you might have a third front of the administration. But with the states, and I don't know who had this idea of states and state legislatures anyway, but that's um, – but, but – It but wasn't with, Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. With the states, uh, you have to – you know, you're, you're, you have to fight at 50 fronts conceivably. It's, it's crazy. But that's – again, that's where having uh, allies uh, is critical. In terms of the – uh, biggest regret, well, certainly a lot of things relating to the DMCA. Uh, you know, we, we were able to get a couple of successes, a couple of relatively good exceptions that have been helpful. Sort of the, in terms of the, uh, one, one of the, I guess it's, it's a, uh, the, you always, you, sometimes you get, deri if you're not able to kill something, something, you at least can derive satisfaction from being able to say, tell someone, well, I told you so. And, and um, one of the things that was going on in the, the DMCA, one of the, the biggest problems we had when the DMCA was going on was that all, most of the, all, all of the Internet companies uh, and many of the other technology companies were so focused on, on Title II, on the, uh, on the ISP safe harbors, which were important, but they were just completely focused on that too, and they just weren't paying attention to circumvention. They just couldn't get how this applied to them. And, and it would have been so easy at the time, not so easy, but I think it would have been doable at the time to have the safe harbors, the ISP safe harbors of, of Section 512 apply not only to the Copyright Act, not only to copyright infringement, but also to DMCA uh, liability. But, you know, we couldn't get their attention. They, they just couldn't be bothered, and they, they ignored it. And then now they, they really regret it because it's, it's a problem that they now have to deal with, too. And I think... Uh, you know, they really would have, and it would have been easy to get back then. Now it's it would have been impossible to get that. It will be almost impossible to get the safe harbor extend not only, not, not only from copyright but to, uh, but to uh, uh, circumvention liability as well. Mark, this is perceived sometimes as a liberal community, maybe even a democratically leaning community. Isn't that the kiss of death in this environment? Um, yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, right I, answer the second time. Keep going. This, uh, I mean, mentioned before, this kind of issue is becoming more and more political. I think that's true. But it's not becoming partisan. Uh, I, I think it's the kind of issue where you find allies on uh, different sides of the Democratic-Republican divide. Um, 
so I, it's, it's, it's like a lot of other you know, business issues where you've got you know, clear divisions between business companies, so you don't have an automatic reflex that says, well, the side of business is this, so we have to go there. So you, you tend to have divisions that, uh, where people will, will have great affection for one business uh, side versus another business side. Uh, so that creates an opportunity for you. And, and there are, there are uh, uh, partisans on both sides who have affections for libraries and universities and research institutions. So I, I wouldn't think of this as a, as a, uh, a partisan issue uh, at all. But it is, it is political. It is the kind of thing where you have to be there and you have to make the case. It will, but what's just, just amplifying that notion that it's, uh, you, again, you have the strangest bedfellows in this, in this uh, business. The, uh, in the Grokster case, you have uh, the, the conservative community divided um, on, the, on, on, the, on the Grokster side, filing amicus briefs on, uh, in support of Grokster. You had the conserv American Conservative Union uh, and Phyllis Schlafly's Eagle Forum. Uh, but on the other side, you had the you know, American, uh, Americans for Tax Reform and uh, the Christian Coalition and, and Kids First and so forth. So, you know, go figure. You'd think that on, on something like that, they should, uh, you'd say either they should have no interest or they should have the same interest. But, but here, you know, they, they, they looked at the same situation and came to uh, diametrically opposed conclusions. Other question from the floor. Rick, did you have one? Yeah. Um, I, you scared me because you both talked about Pat Schultz's book, and I guess I, that surprised me a bit because my reaction was, my God, here's this discredited guy rehashing 20 years later the same xenophobic BS that was discredited in the 90s. And so where's he been hiding for 20 years? But... Uh, Actually, give some of us older guys some, some hope that we can you know, re-energize. You weren't looking at me when you said but, older, were you? That's but 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 I I guess if 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 you're serious that this has political traction, one of the things we're going to have to do is to do some substantial work on what is now called you know knowledge economics. There's a, there's been over the last ten or twenty years a pretty substantial body of economics research that also discredits that line of argument. And I don't think we've ever really marshaled it um, and simplified it and projected it to the political system. Um, but, I, I mean, if anything, he's wronger now than he was in the 80s. Yeah, I, I don't want to comment on, on his book or, or on him either. Uh, but uh, the, the point was, I mean, I only had two points. One, number one, uh, there is an issue out there which links intellectual property protection to U.S. competitiveness. He is just one voice making that argument. A and he's making the argument in a context where I think you guys have to play to, which is the think tank community in Washington, where you know, he is a voice and people listen to him and he's got members of Congress who are prepared to introduce him and say that he you know, represents a reasonable point of view. Um, if you're not there, then that perspective tends to be the one that people will respond to. So whether it's the New America Foundation or Sealy or any of the other groups in town, you know, Cato, Brookings, AEI, you know, there's a forum where you've got a point of view, there's a well-developed body of literature that substantiates your point of view. you just got to be there and make the case. Okay, and what's, what's also interesting about, uh, again, what, what sort of the, the Grokster case is, is uh, I'm sure, you know, we're going to be talking about Grokster for many years to come and, 
uh, you know, for good or for bad, whatever. But it, but it, it, it was a pivotal moment in many respects, uh, largely because it's sort of a, it, 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 it has uh, solidified a divide, that was a growing divide between the Business Software Alliance and the entertainment industry. For a long time, they were always in everything together because in this big anti-piracy campaign. But when it came, you know, push came to shove, BSA concluded, look, they can live with piracy, they can deal with piracy, they've, they've managed to find ways to, to, to reduce its cost and its impact on them. They can't live with tech mandates. They can't live with Judge Posner's cost-benefit analysis in, in Amster. And so, you know, they realize at the end of the day, if they have to choose whose side are they on, they're with the tech community and not the entertainment community. Um, but but what, what's interesting also is they, in their brief, they, they basically said, look, you know, the entertainment, you know, when the entertainment community wants to talk about the impact of, 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 of infringement and so forth, they always cite all these statistics, all these dollars. They're always including the software industry because the software industry dwarfs the entertainment industry uh, and, and, uh, and also far, suffers far more in terms of dollar, to the extent you can believe any of these numbers, suffers far more in dollar value than the entertainment industry does. And um, moreover, I mean, the other irony here is that Verizon's annual revenues are greater than the annual revenues of all the entertainment companies put together. So all, well, this is a short way of saying, you know, at, at some point when, you know, kind of when the, when push comes to shove and these tech companies really see that they're in big trouble, you know, if they focus their attention, I mean, they're going to be able to, and they have started to, but I can imagine, especially if Grokster goes the wrong way or other <coughs> things happen in the future, <laughs> uh, I, I, can, I can envision, I mean, these companies have, the truth is, far, far more resources than Hollywood does. They just have, you know, chosen not to deploy them. Quick last word. Uh, inspiration is a good place to end. We've concluded, I think, already halfway through uh, today that inspiration can be a function of fear, uh, which we've uh, all had, I think, instilled in us in some significant substantive degrees, but also uh, inspiration can be a function of optimism. Guys, go, go against tradition and be optimistic for us. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just tell a little story which is designed to remind you that you can always find allies. Um, uh, internet gambling. Um, uh, we, there was a piece of legislation that was moving through Congress that would require the payment companies to be the internet gambling police to stop it uh, if, we, if we could. Um, and then, uh, and there's also some state laws that, and federal laws that apply to this, a wireline act and so on. Um, uh, one of the, the countries that has an, um, a domestic internet gambling industry, Antigua, wandered off to the World Trade Organization and, uh, and said this is a violation of various trade agreements and services that, you know, you can't restrict this kind of thing in that, in that fashion, and, and won a, a victory. I mean, the, the initial decision and then the follow-up decision largely upheld it. Um, the, the, the author of the Internet Gambling Bill in the House of Representatives, a conservative Republican named Mike Oxley from, uh, from Ohio, immediately jumped up and said, what is this international organization doing telling us how to run our national economy? Right? You would not expect a conservative Republican to jump into the same line of defense as environmentalists and, and union people complaining about, uh, you know, unelected technocrats in the international community telling us what to do. But there he was. So the, the message is you, you can always find allies who 
on an issue where they have their own perspective and their own point of view, it might dovetail with the issues that you're trying to push. Keep your eyes and ears open. You'll probably find people like that. And I would agree with that. And just add, again, as I was saying, that the tech industry is sort of like this slumbering giant that I think is waking up and seeing that a lot of these issues are of at least as much concern to them as they are to us. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen, and thank you all for your attention. Welcome to the trenches. Thank you.